0: Warning, the following podcast may contain potential plot spoilers, but then again, it may not at all.
1: Hello and welcome to Potential Spoilers, I'm Kieran and I'm joined by Maddie D. Hello, hello, hello. How are you doing? I'm good, how are you? How are you Kieran? I'm not too bad. I'm still thrown off by the fact that you don't do a spoiler. We typically follow such a strict structure on this show that anytime we deviate I'm lost. I <laughs> have no idea what to do. Even though we don't have to do anything as per normal in this episode, I'm always thrown off, I'm like, oh, what do we do now? What do we usually talk about at this point <laughs> in the show?
0: Whatever we like Kieran, we're off the chain, we can do whatever we feel like. Whatever our heart desires. Kind of.
1: Because as you probably could tell from the title of this episode, this is another installment of one of our movie talk shows where we can let our hair down, or what's left of it anyway, and (laughs) discuss... Well, you've got way more hair than I do, but anyway, (laughs) you've got it trimmed short these days. It's still hanging in there, Kieran. But we can let our hair down, we can talk anything movies, because what we love on this show more than anything else is talking about movies. Typically, we only talk about one movie at a time. The one that we're predicting or the one that we're, you know, going back and revisiting. But in this show, we can really talk about anything that's exciting us in the world of movies. So, what we're talking about this week is something that I think is really interesting, something I'm really excited to explore. We're going to be talking about movies that we think are underrated. And more importantly, we're going to be talking about movies that we think are totally overrated. Yes. Whether we agree with each other or disagree, I suppose you'll find out.
0: Yeah, it has the potential to be a very controversial episode. Yes, um, but these are our opinions. So that's
1: right. So we're not coming in full of dogma. We don't want people to think that we're coming in saying, "Look, I think this movie is crap," or "I think this movie is really good." No, actually, that is what we're saying. <laughs> We're not saying this movie is crap or this movie is really great. It's all coming from opinion. It's all totally opinion. So, we're saying, I believe this. You don't have to believe this, but I believe this. And, you know, you might discover a movie you've never heard of with our underrated section. And you Maybe. may agree with us when we talk about movies that we think are totally overrated. You may do. Should we dive straight into it, Matty D?
0: Yeah, let's go for it.
1: Now, I thought we'd start off with a bit of positivity. Yeah, that's always to start good, start the right. day, because I just got back from a holiday... So I'm a little I exhausted. I'm a little bit sunburned. You had like a beachside holiday? Yeah, that's right. I just got back from a, you know. Well, I suppose I'd say relaxing beachside holiday, except I was all go all the time. Oh, I don't really? like to I don't like to stay stagnant anywhere. Like I'm one of those people like you walk into a bar I have to be the drinking, I can't be waiting. <laughs> like, I go into a restaurant, I order a meal. As soon as I finish the last bite of my meal, I'm like, I want to be out the door. I hate that moment where you're just sitting there waiting for the bill. Right.
0: <laughs> so, wait, you're just saying that you want to I always want to be moving, yeah.
1: Well, I'm not saying I want to steal it. <laughs> it's like, I, I almost like paying for my food in advance so I can just be out the door as soon as I've finished the last bite, doing yep. the next thing. I don't like to stay in one place for too long. So, I was doing that the entire time I was away.
0: Do you like just to get everything you want to get... Into your vacation
1: Yeah, that's right I like to squeeze as much in as possible I don't like any downtime So, you know (laughs) I actually got to the point where I was at a restaurant Last night And I basically said To the waitress As she was bringing Over the food I was like Can we have the bill Right now please And she's like Yeah you, You're not planning On ordering anything else I'm like No 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 We could, we have to go Right after this we, we had nowhere to be Right But I just wanted To be out the door I didn't want to be stagnant I just wanted to get In the you know As much downtime As possible
0: So a nice relaxing holiday That you feel real Well rested right Yeah I guess so Seems like that's Really exhausting I'm, here. Not,
1: I'm exhausted From the holiday I need a
0: rest <laughs> You need another holiday From the holiday Yeah
1: if anything This is my downtime right now (laughs) this is the only chance i've had all sort of like weekend or long weekend to just sort of sit down and not do anything Mm. so i'm basically just sitting down and having a conversation with you so
0: well let's kick up your feet and enjoy it
1: so i thought we'd start with the easy breezy stuff that might be nice to explore so i thought we'd start with talking about movies that we think are underrated i suppose it's underrated movies that we would recommend that people watch yeah rather than going straight into what might be controversial movies that we're saying is overrated. Because if they're highly acclaimed movies, if they're movies that people really love, and we're going and saying, I don't like it, obviously we're going to be stepping on people's toes, because they're beloved movies, they're beloved franchises, who knows what it could be. Maddie D looks like he's ready to start some fights. So. <laughs> All right, so... We'll see. Did you want to take us away with your first underrated pick, Matty D? Sure, sure. I'm happy to start off with my first underrated Film choice And I th- I'm actually really excited to hear what Matty D's picked for both of his lists as well We've got, I think we've got three in each category And yeah. we're just going to go back and forth between the two of us But I'm really excited to hear what Matty D's picked for these Because as you probably know from listening to the show Matty D has a really unique and interesting taste in movies I do, do I? Like he's a big fan of like Spider-Man 3, The Amazing Spider-Man Movies that most people would say, you know, are slightly offbeat
0: Yeah, but they're enjoyable spider 3
1: <laughs> To, to Matty D and no one else apparently So if anything, Matty D is the master of the underrated movie So yeah. that's why I'm super keen to hear what he has for his underrated list Because he has some very strange choices in movies But we love him for it So what's your first movie? So my first movie was a movie that I
0: loved in my childhood I kind of okay. grew up with this movie I thought it was amazing And to be honest, I think it still stands the test of time But I grew up thinking, this movie's amazing This is a good movie and mm-hmm. then when I kind of grew up a little bit, I started realising that everybody seemed to think this movie sucked and would make that's, fun of it.
1: That's not really the direction that we're trying to go in with this episode. It's It could just be movies that people haven't heard of. But I suppose movies that you like that nobody else like could be technically underrated. That's kind of the direction I've gone in for okay. this episode. Because right.
0: even the director himself... Alright, so you just
1: want to have a fight.
0: <laughs> even the director himself said he wasn't happy with the final product. Okay. So if you loved a movie right... And the director is and the director is coming out saying, you know what, it wasn't that good. It was a disappointing film on
1: my record. That's got to hurt you, right? Right. Okay. And this movie is Hook. Hook. Okay, that's fair enough.
0: This movie is Hook from uh, produced in nineteen ninety one. Steven Spielberg, Robin Williams, Dustin Hoffman, Julia Roberts, Bob Hoskins.
1: Yes, as Smee.
0: I think this is a fun movie. I thought this was uh, you know
1: had a good heart to it. What's it about? So of course it's the retelling of the Peter Pan story. It's like a sequel to Peter Pan, mm, isn't it? An, yeah. unof- an unofficial sequel to Peter Pan. Yeah.
0: It's uh, Peter Pan growing up. He's an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, he's decided- He's Robin Williams. He's Robin Williams. He's sort of a grouchy, middle-aged man. Yeah. He's like a workaholic. He's a drinker. And all of a sudden, he gets revisited by Tinkerbell, who takes him back to uh, Neverland because Captain Hook has stolen his kids to get him in this, you know, rival- revenge. This final fight. And- I think it's a really charming movie I still think it holds up As a great movie What's great is that Kind of in nostalgia People are starting to appreciate it more And talk about Mm -hmm. it As a a fond childhood memory But at the time very much divided, made a lot of money, was, I think, the sixth most successful pirate movie of all time. Really?
1: Whatever that means, you know, in the grand scheme of things, but... Let he- me guess, they're the five Pirates of the Caribbean movies. That is six of them, is <laughs> No, that's <it> true. There? <laughs> that's true. It's oh, mostly, really? Yeah, it's mostly Pirates of the Caribbean. So, it's five Pirates of the Caribbean movies, and then Hook it is might, the it might most also successful be, pirate movies of all time. Yeah, it
0: might also be the original Treasure Island. Okay. um, Or maybe Muppets Treasure Island.
1: I hope so. God, what a banger that is. That's a much better movie than the original Treasure Island, Muppet Treasure Island. Oh, that should have been on my underrated (laughs) list. Oh, I'm changing my list right now. I'm putting Muppet Treasure Island on. But yeah, at the time the movie came
0: out, Steven Spielberg said the movie is a good movie up until- That's uh, right. He directed it, didn't he? Yes, he he directed it and wrote Mm. it as well. Or partially wrote it. But he said the movie is good up until Robin Williams, Peter Pan, Peter Panning gets Mm. taken in the parachute and then the movie is not good from then on. Uh, From then on out. And critics sort of panned it, said it was really pretty. They said such things as Spielberg needs to get his head out of theme park land. Right. They said he's lost his golden touch. They said that, you know, this movie will only appeal to boomers and a select, you know, group of generation. It won't, you know, it won't appeal to kids. Oh, really? Which is so wrong because I think us millennials really like that movie. Yeah, I've got
1: to say, when I was a kid, I absolutely loved that movie. I thought it was a fantastic premise and I had a lot of fun watching it as a kid. I mean, it's not a movie that I revisit a lot as an adult, because I don't think the appeal's quite there for me. Unless it's a movie I watched all the time as a kid and I have a lot of nostalgia for, it's not, you know, it's not the sort of genre of movie I'll go and revisit. But I totally see where you're coming from. If you loved it as a kid, I mean, I would occasionally see it as a kid, but I enjoyed it. Mm. So I wouldn't say that it doesn't appeal to kids.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't think so either.
1: I think something, the critics were wrong. Yeah, Something I remember about the movie as well, that a lot of other actors in Hollywood thought it was such a stinker that for years they would call they would call Dustin Hoffman Hook as like as an insult. And he is so good
0: as that character. As he's Captain like, Hook, yeah. He's like chewing the scenery and he's with Bob Absolutely. Hoskins, who's like killing it as well.
1: Yeah, who played Smee in two different Peter Pan movies, I thought was interesting. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> funny. Because he's also Smee in, is it Return to Neverland? Is he? I think so. Yeah, someone out there will know, write in and Maybe. tell us.
0: Maybe. Yes, so sick of people making fun of the I lost my Marvel scene. So sick of people panning this off as a
1: terrible movie. Did you say panning it off? Yes. <laughs> nice one.
0: In Maddie D's world, this is an enjoyable movie and deserves to be part of this underrated Maddie D list.
1: Well, there we go. Very nice. I like it. So we should move on to probably my first underrated thought or underrated movie. I thought I'd point out straight away as well that my three movies, my three underrated movies also directly relate to my three overrated movies. So, they're sort of like brother and sister movies to oh, each okay. other. And that sort of was very serendipitous because I didn't go in thinking that. But then I realized when I was writing my notes about it, I'm like, these movies actually connect to each other in a lot of ways. So, my underrated pick will connect directly to one of my overrated picks. And I'll explain exactly what they are as we go through. Interesting. But it's interesting how that worked out. So, it's almost like I picked one side of a genre that I really like and then another side of the same genre that I don't like. Right. So I'm actually really impressed with how how I accidentally stumbled across that. Very cleverly done. The first one I wanted to talk about is one that I don't think a lot of people have heard of or if they have heard of it, they don't consider it one of this director's greatest works. Though I believe personally that I think it's a film that everyone should watch if they haven't seen it, but I think it should get way more credit than it gets because the first movie I want to talk about is 1981's Thief. I know I've mentioned it to Maddie yeah, D a few times in the have. past, off-air, but it's written and directed by Michael Mann, who, as you probably know, directed Heat. He directed Manhunter, which I think is another underrated movie. Manhunter's great. I Man- mean, that
0: gets foreshadowed by the other Hannibals.
1: Yeah, like, overshadowed. You overshadowed, mean. yeah. And given the fact that it was remade as Red Dragon yeah. as well, a much more inferior movie, if you ask me. Red Dragon versus Manhunter. Manhunter all the way in my books. But, yeah, Manhunter could be its own installment. Like, it could be its own underrated segment. What the hell am I talking about? <laughs>
0: no, I agree with you. Manhunter Man is...
1: Manhunter is equally as underrated as what I'm trying to say. And then, of course, Michael Mann helmed Miami Vice. He didn't direct any episodes of it, but that show was basically his baby. So, it was very much following his style. But Thief was his very first writing, directing credit, his first Hollywood production. And by the way, the, the movie was loosely based on the 1975 novel The Home Invaders, Confessions of a Cat Burglar by Frank Hoima? i think that's how you say his name it's h-o-r it's h-o-h-i-m-e-r i didn't do my Heimer. research Yeah, it sounds like Hoima, doesn't it but i don't actually know and it stars james khan who we probably know from the godfather and misery and tuesday world who was the prostitute from once upon a time in america if you remember that she was the blonde haired woman who basically forces robert de niro to rape her character oh yeah 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 it stars that woman And are you familiar with this movie at all, Matty D? Do you know much about it? No, I
0: don't. I know you've spoken about it. You've recommended it to me. Yeah. And you
1: said it's a little bit like Heat? It's very similar to Heat to the point where I think Michael Mann was basically just remaking Thief when he made Heat. Oh, But it's more sort of grounded and uh, there's a lot less going on in Thief than Heat. So, Heat has all these branching sort of characters and we follow all these different characters. Where in this movie, we're only following one character. Hmm. So, it's basically about a, a professional burglar. He does like big time heists with other professional thieves. And he gets the attention of the mafia when he's trying to, you know, he's trying to leave the life. He's trying to settle down, have kids.
0: Always the way.
1: And then he gets the attention of the mafia who want to hire him as a professional thief for them. And he basically says, yep, I'll do one job for you guys, one last job. We always know how this goes. I'm going to do one last job for you guys, and that's it, I'm retired. And they go, sure thing, the one last job goes without a hitch. And then, of course, as you probably could guess a mile off, the mafia don't want him to leave. They want him to keep going. But he's like, nope, that's it, I'm retired now. They're like, well, we're not going to give you your money. And, of course, conflict arises from there. I'm not going to spoil what happens in the end, despite the title of our podcast. (laughs) But I definitely think everybody should watch it. And it goes in directions you certainly aren't going to predict. And it has a fantastic soundtrack as well by Tangerine Dreams. He does good
0: soundtracks, Michael Mann.
1: Yeah. so Well, he gets in good people to do soundtracks. He doesn't do
0: the soundtrack himself.
1: So, they actually directly reference Thief... In one of my favourite video games of all time, Grand Theft Auto 5, because they get the same people to who did the soundtrack to Thief to do the soundtrack to that game. Oh, okay. So, the score, the background score in that game is almost exactly the same as that movie. And very similar themes as well, because, you know, Grand Theft Auto 5 is about professional thieves doing heists, as is Thief. But yeah, fantastic acting, fantastic cinematography. It's got a real sort of like 80s noir vibe to it, and a great story as well.
0: Sounds like a movie that's right down your alley.
1: Oh, absolutely! And I got
0: to say, it's a movie I'll definitely check out just by your description. And it it's a really dark,
1: good. rainy, neon lit alley oh. as well. Let me tell you. Oh. what's your next pick, Maddie D?
0: Next pick, so underrated
1: pick number two for Maddie D: Cloud Atlas. Cloud Atlas. Have you seen it? I've seen bits and pieces of it. I've never sat down and watched the whole movie. A lot of people have told me not to. Yes, so <laughs> that's the reason I really haven't looked at it. It's done by the, it's the Wachowskis. Wachowski is that sisters. That's right. And it's about- Is it about multiple universes? Like, it's the same actors playing different versions of themselves across multiple universes? Yes. I, d- I know very little about it's, the movie. It's
0: hard to explain, but it takes place over different times, and there's sort of different right. stories each time. And it so, all it of- isn't
1: universes, it's time periods. Yes, that's okay, right. Okay, I'm with you now. Now,
0: the way it kind of works is, say, you're Kieran in mm-hmm. 2021. Your character would be played by the same actor- and then it flashes to the future, you know, the year 3000 or the year yep. 4000. And you're playing that version of yourself in the future. Like it's your ancestor. Oh, okay. It's your soul. Soul has like passed on. So, that's, that's how all the actors are in sort of different forms in a different time period. Who's in this movie? So, we got in this movie, we have Tom Hanks. Uh, we have Hugo Weaving, Halle Berry, Hugo Grant or oh. Hugh Grant more so. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Done in 2012. And I tell you what. I thought this was a good movie. I can't defend everything about it, but...
1: Yeah, I wish I'd seen it so I could dive into the conversation. I
0: thought this was a really impressive movie. Now, when it came out, there was, I think, a lot of hype behind it. There was a lot of money put behind it. Differing opinions. Some people say it was good. Some people said it was absolutely awful. Some people say visually and the soundtrack are good, but everything else doesn't hold up. But i tell you what. It gets me a bit teary-eyed, so that's why it
1: belongs on my underrated list. So, what's the plot about? We know that we're jumping back and forth in time, but what's the movie actually about, it's, if you could sum it up?
0: It's different stories about uh, revolution and about injustice. So, there's one story that takes place during slavery, and there's mm-hmm. another story which takes place in the future where there's the, these clones that are being you know, told what to do, and then they
1: start to revolt. So, they're slaves of a different kind.
0: Yeah, it's right. Okay. That's right. There's like a modern-day story where there's like a huge... Motor company that's destroying the environment And doing all this shady stuff And they're uncovering mm. that guy So it's sort of about tyrants being overtaken
1: Okay, being interesting overthrown. So sort of similar to The Matrix in a way Where it's like a an evil faceless group That's manipulating people not, not Enslaving so. people in a way And they're being overthrown by the yeah, rebels Yeah,
0: in that story But it's like all these different stories About that one theme
1: yeah and the only sense. thing that connects them the is, matrix is the same theme. Though. yeah. and the only thing that
0: connects them is they have the same characters, and that's their sort of soul reincarnated into a different version.
1: Mm, makes sense. And so what is it that people don't like about it?
0: I think people find it really pretentious. Really over the top I know a lot of people Were really big fans Of the book And they felt that Oh it's they, based on a book It is it? yeah And they felt it didn't Live up to the book A lot of people Found it really long um, Again Found it pretentious I think is the big thing right, I Thought okay. it was like a bit, of a, a bit much And I think there was A lot of hype Leading up to it So I think it Disappointed a yeah. lot of people But I watched it I liked it I think you should Check it out If you got the time
1: I think I've heard a lot of people say that it's underrated as well, so I'm not at all surprised that you say that, but nobody I've spoken to... Well, actually, no, a fair few people I've spoken to have said that it's good, but for the most part, the general consensus around the movie is that it's not as good as The Matrix, so therefore, it's not a good movie. (laughs) That's what I hear.
0: I don't know, I enjoyed it a little bit
1: better than some of those Matrix movies. Yeah, let me tell you, I'm not the biggest Matrix fan, and we're going to be talking about The Matrix very, very soon, so let's save that for (laughs) uh, an upcoming episode. But yeah. Cloud Atlas, number two on my underrated list. There you go. So, the next movie I wanted to talk about is actually a horror movie that I've had in my collection since I was a teenager, and it is 1977's Martin. Are you familiar with this movie at all? Have I shown you this movie in the past? I have heard of this movie, yeah. So, that's written and directed by George A. Romero, who, as you probably know, did all- He's probably most famous for doing Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, (laughs) so on and so forth, insert of the dead, whichever movie you like here. That awful Diary of the Dead movie that he made. But yeah, so this was actually a movie that he made before he did Dawn of the Dead. So before he was a real household name. I mean, I suppose he might have already been with neither the Living Dead. But before he was massively successful, George A. Romero made Martin. And it stars probably nobody that anybody's heard of so it stars somebody called john amplis who i know best from day of the dead he's one of the scientists in the bunker we always talk about day of the dead he's great on this show and he had minor roles in dawn of the dead and creep show as well which are, of course two other george a romero movies Uh, yeah are you familiar with this plot at all maddie d do you remember anything about it at all
0: i've heard the title and i think you have spoken to me about it is it a zombie movie as well
1: it's not a zombie movie oh okay I wouldn't even really say it's supernatural, but I suppose that's up to interpretation. Well, what's so, it about? if I could explain it now, all right. Now, before I really get into talking about this movie, I just want to say if you're sensitive, if you're a sensitive person to, like, let's say, uh, let's just say sexual assault, if you're okay. sensitive towards sexual assault and sort of like darker themed movies, I'd probably suggest skipping forward about four or five minutes just because, you know, the themes of the movie are very dark. It's a horror movie. It's trying to unsettle you, so it does go into some very dark places that a lot of people might find disturbing, but that's where the intrigue comes in for me, because for me, I like interesting stories of people who are almost completely different to myself, they're completely different to everybody I know. That's why I'll watch a lot of Martin Scorsese movies where they explore, you know, these sort of darker, evil side of people. Criminals. Criminals, lunatics, psychopaths.
0: So you watch bad podcasters, like on on film? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I watch movies about that. With terrible shows. I have to to
1: listen to hours of our show, so (laughs) I guess that's where that influence comes in. (laughs) But anyway, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the movie Maniac, both versions of Maniac, which explores like a serial killer. And in a lot of ways, this movie is similar. Because what it's about is a... It's basically a modern-day vampire movie. Without specifically being a vampire movie. So, it's about a, a boy. We don't really know how old he is. He says that he's 84, though there's no real evidence of that. But what he does, basically... How the movie opens is he's on a train. The train's like a... It's an overnight train trip. And we see him sneak into, like, the cabin of a woman who's basically getting ready for bed. And he injects her with a sedative... Uh huh. Um, and then like forces her like into the bed. Uh, and then when she passes out, he strips her naked. He you know has his way with her. Oh, man. And then slits her wrists with razor blades and then drinks her blood. And how old does the boy look? He looks like late teens. He okay. could be anywhere between seventeen to twenty four. Wow. Yeah. And then he arrives in Pittsburgh. He's traveling to Pittsburgh from I don't even know where, somewhere else in America, a yeah. bigger city. But he goes to move in with his uncle, who believes he is a vampire as well. All that Martin thinks is that he has to feed on blood to survive, so he gets sort of like cravings for blood, and then he you know he has to go out and murder people. He basically has developed this method of subduing people through sedatives and then peacefully cutting their wrists to kill them. He says in the, it was a lot harder before then, yeah, getting people and killing people because they would put up a bit of a struggle. But yeah, he's developed this you know essentially foolproof method of feeding on people, and his family sent him away to live. With his uncle, because they believe he's mentally disturbed. Well, of course. He, he might be mentally disturbed. His uncle believes he's a traditional vampire, so he takes him home. He's got, like, garlic hanging up in his house, like, outside of his bedroom. It's like, you're not allowed to come in my bedroom. I've got garlic on the door. And he's got, you know, he's tried to ward him off with crosses. Why is he keeping him in his... House then if he He's trying to he- give him salvation So he's a religious man Right He says you know I'm going to give you salvation And then if you try and kill me If you try and harm anyone in my family I'll kill you myself
0: But isn't the only way to give a vampire salvation To kill it So that it's soul free
1: He wants to exorcise him essentially right. So he basically brings like a priest around To try and exorcise okay. him Okay We never really know If Martin in the movie is crazy or not We never really know if he's actually a vampire We see flashbacks Or what we could interpret to be flashbacks where he's back, like, say, 100 years ago, mm. doing, like, various things, like, feeding on women back in time or being pursued by, like, townsfolk but back that, in that time. But that could be all in his head. But, yeah, that could be a fantasy.
0: I've got a question.
1: Yeah, go ahead. Does he run around the streets saying, I'm a vampire, I'm a vampire? No, he does dress up as a vampire at one point to frighten his uncle. Oh, does he? As a joke. But, no, he's it's not really like Vampire's Kiss with Nicholas Cage. It's reminding me of that. It's, it's a lot darker than that, given, like, a lot of the sexual assault elements. Uh, and then, as you'd probably expect, one of the storylines is that he comes across a woman who finds him attractive and they end up having like a sexual relationship and he, and he suddenly feels like, oh, I don't need to sedate women anymore to have sex with them. I've, you know, I've had that experience in my life now. Again, I don't want to spoil the plot of this movie. I'd suggest if you're interested, go and watch it. Because again, it, it goes in directions that you're not expecting it to. And it's totally, again, I feel like I'm saying again a lot, but... It's totally up to your interpretation as well. So, you could believe that he is an 84-year-old vampire stuck in this body who has to feed in this modern method. He's like a a more realistic vampire than has been depicted in the media. Or you could believe that he's totally insane and uh, he's just acting psychotically. Mm. But it's excellent. Again, pretty good soundtrack. I wouldn't say it's the greatest soundtrack in the world. For what it is, the acting is really good, Uh, excellent cinematography, and... It's the first ever time that George A. Romero collaborated with Tom Savini. Ah. I'm a massive fan of Tom Savini. Yeah. He did the special effects in Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, uh, and then other movies I'm gonna he, talk yeah, about in the future. He was absolutely a pioneer for absolutely. what
0: we call modern day special effects, especially with like dead bodies, and zombies, gore. gore. Yeah.
1: So he did Tom Savini did the gore effects in Martin. He was one of the first major movies that he did gore effects in, and they're excellent. Seeing the, the razor blades slit the arms I have no idea how they do that Because mm. it, it, it looks real to me yeah. The blood doesn't look real It's a little bit bright red But you know, it's the 70s, what to expect you can get away with that in the 70s And interestingly enough, this movie, Martin Is the movie that George a. Romero says that he's most proud of Wow, so really? So all the movies that he's made in history This is the one he says, you know what? That's my favourite of the one I've made I'm most proud of how that one turned out
0: And it's his lesser known one
1: It's probably one of his least known movies, but yeah, it's easily one of my favorite George A. Romero movies beyond like Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, things like that, Creepshow. But I think a lot of people should see it. It's kind of hard getting past some of the thematic stuff in a modern day setting. Like it's kind of hard. It's one of those movies where you go in, you immediately hate the character, you hate the main character and who he is. Then you feel sorry for him. Then you start to like him and then you hate him again. Because you just realize, like, you start to side with him when he's not going around, like, murdering and, and assaulting women. But, you know, you sort of see where he's coming from. And then you're like, oh, what am I thinking? What am I doing? Which is what I enjoy about the movie, because it sort of takes you on a, this sort of emotional roller coaster ride with the character.
0: Yeah. It doesn't sound like a fun experience. Right? No, not
1: really It's It's very sort of distressing Yeah, but sometimes they're good Those kind of movies are good That's sometimes what you want from a movie Exactly And And if you know that you don't want that from the movie Don't watch it Don't watch it
0: And I think uh, movies nowadays God, I sound like an old man Are afraid to do that (laughs) Yeah You don't get that anymore
1: Yeah, even movies like The Joker Which I would say, like, explore a similar concept That's very much watered down in comparison. Yeah, and
0: that that people didn't like that about it. Yeah, that's right.
1: And one more thing I wanted to mention (laughs) about this movie as well before we move on. Something that I really enjoyed about the movie is that all almost all of the actors in the movie were in the crew. Oh, really? So a lot of the crew who worked on the movie are actually acting in the movie. So this is like a real. You know, it's a real low budget sort of like family production. So George A. Romero's in the movie as a minor character. His wife is in the movie as a as a as a major character. Tom Savini's in the movie as a major character as well. And almost everybody who's an actor also worked in the crew as well, which oh, I nice. really like. I really like those sort of small productions.
0: Yeah, they got a lot of heart to them, right? Yeah, it's always fun watching a movie like that.
1: Basically, like fifteen people worked on the <laughs> movie. It was great because you see them all on screen. Yeah, and you'd expect the acting to be terrible, but it's it's again for what it is. For the kind of movie that it is, it's actually pretty good. Every time I watch it, I'm blown away with like, oh, wow, Tom Savini is actually a pretty good actor. He oh, does... wow, George A. Romero is actually a pretty good actor. They do go into movies and they're quite good. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I feel like I'm hogging too much time here. <laughs> We've got a lot to talk about. So let's move on to your next one. You know what I was thinking of a movie just as you were talking? It's
0: not part of my underrated list, but now that I'm thinking about it, it really should be. Scarecrow with Dustin Hoffman and Gene Oh,
1: Gene no, Al Pacino and Gene Oh, Al,
0: Al Pacino, sorry, yeah.
1: Yeah, that is an amazing that movie. That is an amazing That's movie. That's a movie that I own as well. People listening, if you don't know that movie,
0: it's a movie starring these two guys. I think it came of, out
1: 1978, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, maybe a little earlier.
0: They're drifters, and pretty much the the cool thing about the movie They meet is, while hitchhiking. Yeah. Um, most of the movie is improvised.
1: Yeah, I'd say almost all of the movies yeah. improvised.
0: And, and you just get to see these heavyweight actors kind of doing- Impro. Whatever their, instincts. Yeah, whatever their instincts tell them And it's it's a very different performance to Al Pacino Yeah, that's after, right After watching him in Heat
1: <laughs> Yeah, exactly <laughs>
0: He kind of shifts into that Al Pacino lane a lot But this is a very different Al Pacino So I'd recommend people watch that movie But what is on my list?
1: Yes Calm down, Kieran I wish I had Scarecrow though <laughs> Me too And it's not a horror movie It's not the Scarecrow It is just Scarecrow Me too But what I had What I was going to say is an
0: underrated movie And I know you're going to disagree with me Is We've talked about it before Ghostbusters 2016. Don't spit your coffee, Kieran. Here we go. Okay. I know people have strong opinions about this movie. I know people say it was one of the worst movies of the year.
1: You know, Manny D, before you continue, it's interesting that you should say that this is an underrated movie because I would more so put it in the overrated movies category because I don't think it got any sort of negative reviews when it came out. Critics seemed to like the movie. Oh, did they? It's just the audience didn't seem to like it. I, so. l-
0: I was looking on Rotten I mean, Tomatoes and it didn't have it was, a good score.
1: But. Maybe it's gone down since it came out. Because when it came out, it had pretty high scores. And some of the fan base liked it. I mean, you're a prime example now. But the movie pretty much got swept under the rug by the studio a couple of months after it came yeah. out. Yeah. So, I guess it's still, it still counts.
0: And also, a lot of people boycotted seeing this movie. So, it didn't do yeah. well financially is my understanding of it. So... Ghostbusters 2016 they decided to kind of do like a soft reboot I guess it is kind of a reboot starring an all-female yeah. cast Which is uh, Melissa McCarthy we've spoken about her before Kristen Wiig, Kate McKinnon Your friend
1: Melissa McCarthy
0: Leslie Jones that's right Chris Hemsworth is also in it And for some reason people are really precious about the Ghostbusters movies About pretty much anything from the 80s yeah. And were really really outraged that they turned this into an all-female led cast Is this the best movie ever made? No No Is it the best comedy? Was the
1: original Ghostbusters movie the best movie ever made?
0: Exactly. I like the Ghostbusters, but it's not Citizen Kane, for God's sake. Which is always my problem, and you know this was always my problem, Kieran. Like, why people were so outraged that- they got something taken away from them with, like, this remake of a Ghostbusters movie. I mean, it's just a Ghostbusters movie. So I,
1: thought- I guess to a lot of people it felt like an insult. I mean, me personally, I didn't like the movie. Yeah, But I went in wanting to like it and then I just didn't end up liking it. It's not mm-hmm. like I went in going, oh, they're ruining my childhood with this movie. I went in going, let's see what they're going to present to me. Let's see if I like it. I didn't like it. But then again, that's they did a lot of people.
0: Yeah, but I think a lot of people. I think there was a very toxic fan base that kind of bashed this movie. Yeah, that's and, true. Uh, and boycotted it at a time when no, I, I don't know. It's. I thought it was all right. So that's why it's on
1: my underrated list. Fight me. Okay, I'm not going to fight you because <laughs> you're well in your right to like that movie. Just don't ask me to. <laughs> Is that the last of- No, I've, I've still got a movie here. So we've got one more underrated movie left on my list. And this one you're going to find very interesting. I think this is going to be quite an interesting discussion. It may not be a movie that you've heard of. But it's one that I'm very excited to talk about because I watched it for the first time recently. And this movie is 1975's The Man from Hong Kong. Have you ever heard of this movie, Maddie? Dean? No, I don't think so. A lot of people who have heard of the movie are probably like, "What? why is Kieran bringing up this movie? That's kind of what odd choice. But it's written and directed by Brian Trenchard-Smith. If you haven't heard of Brian Trenchard-Smith, it's kind of hard to explain what his deal is. He made a lot of exploitation movies in the 70s and 80s. He made BMX Bandits, if you know that movie at all. (laughs) It's not an exploitation movie, but it was Nicole Kidman's first ever
2: movie.
1: Uh Uh, It's basically a movie about... I'm I'm talking about BMX Bandits here now. It's basically about a bunch of kids riding around bikes in Sydney and getting up to shenanigans. Where can you go wrong with that? In Sydney, you say? In Sydney, yeah. It's all filmed and set in Sydney. As is The Man from Hong Kong. Really? Yeah, it is. Well, the man's from Hong He's not the man in Hong Kong. He's no, from Hong Kong.
0: No, we started watching this movie, didn't we?
1: No, I don't think I've ever watched it with you. No. I don't think you've ever seen it before. Now, another thing about Brian Trenchard Smith is that he's one of Tarantino's favourite directors. If you ever sit down, Quentin Tarantino, and say, who are the biggest influencers on you, director-wise? Tarantino's always going to bring up Sergio Leone. Yeah. He's going to bring up Brian De Palma. And he always brings up Brian Trenchard Smith. He's like, that guy is basically one of the reasons I became a filmmaker. Who would have thought this just random Australian filmmaker who just did, like, schlock in the 70s yeah. really inspired Tarantino. But I suppose that's Tarantino's bag. But, yeah, talking focusing more on the man from Hong Kong, it stars Jimmy Wang Yu, who's a Taiwanese actor, a film director, a producer, and screenwriter over in... I think he, was in, he spent a lot of time in China, Hong Kong, Taiwan. And he... I'll, I'll talk about him in a sec. Uh, and the villain of the movie is played by George Lazenby, who, of course, is, like, a man... Very close to our heart for a lot of reasons uh, that I won't get Bond. into. But yes, he he was James Bond in On Her Majesty's Secret Service, which is easily one of my favourite James Bond movies of all time. Uh, and He's done not a lot <laughs> since. This is probably his second biggest film role ever. He did this movie called uh, Never Too Young to Die. Is that what it was called? Yeah, I think it was called Never Too Young to Die, where Gene Simmons was the bad guy. George Lazenby gets killed off in the first scene, and he gets replaced by John Stamos for the rest (laughs) of the movie.
0: He's pretty much lived off the James Bond character for the rest of his life, even though he turned down doing other James Bond movies.
1: Yes, that's right. It was actually him who turned (sighs) MGM down rather than the other way around, like people think. But The Man from Hong Kong itself, it's kind of hard to explain the plot. I'll get into it in a sec, but it's very much a satire of James Bond movies, Dirty Harry movies, and... Kung Fu movies that were coming out at the time So Kung Fu movies were extremely popular At this point in the 70s so we're talking mid 70s That's when like all the Bruce Lee Movies were coming out and all of the the, What they call them Chop Socky movies Just the standard you know uh, How would you describe them Yeah I suppose Dolomite came out at the same time That was very much influenced by That was very much satiring Kung fu movies as well
0: You're talking about the tongue in cheek A lot of action you know
1: Yeah On the streets So basically Jimmy Wang Yu's character Is the James Bond of the movie or, Or the Dirty Harry of the movie He's a cop in Hong Kong Who is chasing drug dealers So basically a a drug dealer from Hong Kong Has come to Australia Mm -hmm. to, To deal drugs with George Lazenby's character Who's like the head of a crime family in Sydney I guess one of the things that gets me excited about the movie Straight away is we get to see a lot of familiar landmarks So Maddie D and I both live in Sydney So straight away you get to see a lot of familiar landmarks To us but like 40 almost 50 years ago Is it recognisable? Oh absolutely Really? Absolutely It's amazing how small All the buildings in downtown (laughs) Like the CBD are By comparison Believe it or not The movie actually opens With a drug deal At Ayers Rock No way With with a kung fu fight On top of Ayers Rock Can you imagine that? So that sets the tone For the movie straight away That lets you know Straight away What you're getting into For the next like Hour and a half So it starts off Drug deal in Ayers Rock With a shootout With a helicopter blowing up Next thing you know Uh We cut to Hong Kong and Jimmy Wang Yu is flying in on like a a hang glider and he has to come over to Sydney to be like the the tough no-nonsense cop. He's chasing around drug dealers, getting into kung fu fights, climbing up the side of buildings. You would expect it to be really bad and really cheesy. And it is in a lot of ways, but it's just done in a way that's just so fun and so like tongue-in-cheek, like you sort of with the joke and so therefore you're with the movie. And something interesting to note about the movie as well, something I found really fascinating about it is that Jimmy Wang Yu him being a director himself, he basically wanted to direct all his own scenes, so he wouldn't take any advice from Brian Trenchard Smith. And one of his deals was... When I do kung fu fights on screen, I actually hit the people. I actually <laughs> I actually fight for real. So,
0: all these stunt guys are just like, oh, yes.
1: we so don't want to do this. Anytime there's a kung fu fight in the movie, he's actually punching people. He's actually kicking people. That's so unprofessional, though. It was just his deal. Like He's like, it has to look real on screen. Oh, my God. And Brian Trenchard-Smith uh, is like, do you have to do that? And he's like, yeah, I have to. And then Brian Trenchhead Smith is like, all right, but I'm going to fight you in the movie as well. So he appears in the movie as a baddie and gets punched in the face by (laughs) Jimmy Wang Yu. And yeah, the whole time I was watching the movie, I wasn't aware of this fact. So I'm watching, I'm like, these fights look really realistic. They look, <laughs> they look really painful. One of his things that he does, when people are on the ground, he'll just come up and just start kicking them while they're down on the ground. I'm like, that looks really painful. And it turns out it, it, it is really painful.
0: I don't care what you're getting paid. I think after a while, you'd kind of- Oh, get... people were getting paid nothing. Yeah, be. well, you'd kind of get pissed off about it. If someone's like beating you up on set, You, I think you'd have to defend yeah. yourself,
1: right? You'd just be like, screw this. Yeah, well, they were allowed to have at him if they could hit him.
0: Well, I guess he's like a trained fighter, so...
1: Yeah. Maybe they did try. There's a scene towards the end of the movie as well where he's fighting George Lazenby, and George Lazenby gets set on fire, and they set George Lazenby on fire for real. Oh, really? No protective clothing, and what he had to do was his jacket, his suit jacket gets set on fire. He had to, like, pull off his suit jacket and throw it away. He got stuck, and you see this in the movie, he gets stuck taking off his jacket. You know, like... When you come home after a few beers and you're trying to get your your jacket off, oh, it's terrible, and it, like it gets wrapped up in your elbows. Yes, that happens to him while his jacket's on fire. Oh my god! And he got like third-degree burns on his hands. Holy shit! And he was so pissed off over of like the lack of professionalism. He was like, "I worked on James Bond." That like after that scene, he went and punched Brian Trenchard-Smith in the face. <laughs> so the director got punched twice in the face while doing this movie, wow. which I think is fantastic. I think it's a mark of any good movie. And yeah, that's basically The Man from Hong Kong. It's very hard to find, but if you can track it down, I definitely recommend watching it because it is a treat. Especially if you live in the same city we do
0: Sounds like the sort of movie that you'd watch with a few beers Oh, absolutely With a few friends
1: Yes, and it has a fantastic soundtrack as well Yeah I think that's one of the like, staples of all my underrated picks is It's got to have great acting Got to have great cinematography It's got to have a great soundtrack if it, has, if it ticks all those boxes, I'm, good I'm happy. Movie. So that's all of my underrated movies. And Manny, D, did you have any like honorable mentions aside from some of the movies that we already mentioned, I suppose?
0: I think Scarecrow's is a good one. I already
1: mentioned that. And While you're talking about that, I'm just going to help myself to a throat lozenge because I'm yep. losing my voice because I'm getting too excited about the man from Hong Kong. <laughs> so if you hear me enjoying a lozenge in the background, please don't mind, audience.
0: Uh, a few others that I had on my mind when I was constructing this list was... The Last Skywalker, I think that gets more hate than it deserves. Um, no,
1: I think it gets exactly the amount of hate that it deserves. <laughs> Kung Pao. It has, it's the lowest rated Star Wars movie of all time. I know, so.
0: and I think it's i think it's a good movie. But you're I saying it's underrated. Okay. I think it's underrated. That's fair That's enough. Right.
1: We're not about hate here, so. All right, well... I, I suppose we are when we get to Matty D's overrated list. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. That's a movie I thought got way too much hate than it deserved. Another movie was uh, Kung Pao. Have you seen that? i got no information Kung about Kung Pao, Fist of Fury. Yes. That's a fantastic movie. I love that movie. I wouldn't say it's underrated, but I guess if people haven't heard of it, I, it fits. It's a fun
0: movie, guys. It's uh, I guess what they do is they take old Kung Fu movies, and obviously there are some modern day actors that also play around it, but they kind of yeah. splice together footage and do dubs. Yeah, so basically,
1: the guy who wrote and directed the movie green screens himself into old kung fu movies. It's sort of like how Steve Martin did it with Dead Men Don't Wear Plaid, but instead of film noir, it's kung fu movies. Mm.
0: Same guys that did the Jimmy Neutron movie, right? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) How crazy is that? What a a weird credit. What a weird IMDB page. Mm. Uh, Another movie I thought was really good. Click. I don't know. If, oh. I th- I think it's okay. I think it's all right. I think people fucking terrible look at movie. Adam Sandler and they make a judgment on it. I think it's one of his best pieces of work. And then the other movie that I had, and this was a successful movie, so I guess- I did warn people that
1: Manny D has strange tastes in movies at the start of the episode.
0: At the time, this movie was really highly praised, which is why I think it doesn't deserve to be said as like underrated, because mm. I guess it was rated very highly. But when people think about romantic comedies, you might think of- When Harry Met when, Sally. Uh, when Harry Met Sally, you might think of- um, sleepless in Seattle Like a lot of different movies But I think the best romantic comedy ever made And not a lot of people would think of this Is Forgetting Sarah Marshall in 2008
1: Okay I think that's a movie that holds up I saw it, I don't remember it though Really?
0: Yeah. I really love that movie I love everybody in that movie I think it's um, it does the romantic comedy genre the best It's a really
1: well known movie though Yeah I think a lot of people really like it Yeah so. Again, like you said It doesn't quite count as underrated But yeah, yeah. Fair enough to mention it. Did you have a few honorable mentions? No, I I can't really think of any. I think Scarecrow was the best one that you picked that I agree with most vehemently.
0: Go watch Scarecrow, guys. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic
1: movie. I wish it was on my list. Yeah, I do too. All right, what's on your overrated list though?
0: All right, let's get started. I'm going to do the worst one first. For me, personally, the worst one. Okay. Which is a little movie that was made in 2009 called Avatar. Oh,
1: as in The Last Airbender?
0: No, funny you should say that, Kieran. I know you know this story, but once upon a time... (laughs) You've told this story on the podcast. Yeah, Yeah, okay, well, people already know. I went and saw this movie in the cinema... I thought I was seeing Avatar The Last Airbender. A friend of mine was like, do you want to go see Avatar? And I was like, oh, you
1: bet your sausage I do. Yeah, I, the anime was good. I didn't know a lot
0: about it. This this friend of mine uh, as Matty well. D,
1: it's not technically an anime.
0: <laughs> oh, well, sorry. Sorry, guys. Well, what is it technically?
1: A cartoon. Okay, well,
0: uh, I like the cartoon it's, then. It's made in the US. Right, okay. Well, whatever it is, I enjoyed it, but I didn't know a lot about it. Avatar mm-hmm. The Last Airbender or that, you know, f- series. But a friend of mine really liked it. They said, let's go watch this movie. So I went into the cinema and I was like, huh. I don't know a lot about this, you know,
1: cartoon, but... I don't remember the Na'vi being in Avatar The Last Airbender. I don't
0: remember them being in space. Is this a Fire Nation thing? Like, this is kind of weird. And I sat through this movie, (laughs) sat through it, thought it was boring, thought it was pretentious, thought it was ununique, uninspired. Everything that they did had been done in other movies and been Mm. done better. Then I left. I was like, well, that sucked. Someone was like No
1: Matt You gotta Did you watch it in 3D
0: Yeah well that's what they told me An uncle Someone who was my senior Someone who I trusted Mm. Said to me No you gotta watch it in 3D It's a whole different experience And I was like No I don't know The movie kind of sucked I kind of thought it was boring I don't see how Watching it in 3D Is going to change much And I'm like No 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 You gotta watch it in 3D It'll blow your mind So I watched the whole movie again Yep In 3D
1: and it still sucked
0: And it still sucked But this time I had water floating towards me Yay So this movie James Cameron wrote it And directed it It stars Sam Worthington And we love James Cameron We do love James Terminator Cameron Terminator 2 Aliens Fantastic Absolutely. movies um, Also stars Sigourney Weaver Stephen Lang, who's appeared on this show. Yep. There you
1: go. As the blind guy in Don't Breathe. Absolutely. Don't yep. breathe too, sorry. I think he was a highlight for in that movie just because of how over the top he was. By but. the way, Stephen Lang is in Manhunter as well, which we mentioned earlier. <laughs>
0: there you go. He's he's appeared three times in yeah. this podcast. Yeah, at the time this movie was this movie was huge, right? Everyone was like, This is the best movie of the
1: year. It was winning all these awards. Mm. It it
0: overtook, I think, Titanic as like
1: The highest grossing movie of all all time. It was a point where it was Avatar was the highest grossing movie of all time. Mm, Now it's either Titanic or Avengers Endgame. Ah. Or it could be Infinity War. It's one of those, you know, Avengers movies.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. But yeah, everyone was praising this movie. I was sitting there going, this sucks. This is boring. And what I would say to anybody is- this movie has zero joy in it. It thinks it's revolutionary. It's not. So just go out and buy a Fern Gully and save yourself an hour and
1: twenty six minutes. This movie sucked. Or watch Disney's Pocahontas.
0: Yes, which all those movies tell the same message in such a short amount of time. And that movie was so long, Kieran. And I guess it was beautiful at the time. I mean, I think it might have. It's going to date over time as well. Oh, but absolutely. But, like, it kind of thought it was really clever having a bad guy that was like, I'm going to cut down trees because screw the environment. Corporations, yeah. corporations. And then having, like, the G.I. Joe guy that's
1: like, yeah,
0: I just like shooting stuff.
1: It's nothing new. You know, Manny D, I've never even seen the movie. I've Good. never even watched Avatar in my life. Keep it that way. Because when it came out, I mean, there was a lot of buzz around it. I'm like, oh, I might get to it eventually. Don't. But then it sort of came and went from cinemas and I never saw it. And then when I said to people, should I see the movie? They'd always go, oh, you missed your opportunity. It's only worth seeing in 3D in the cinema. Can and I was guarantee like, you Fair
0: enough. not the case. As someone who saw it twice...
1: But, yeah, I remember there was a lot of, like, positive buzz around the movie when it came out, mainly around the visuals and the storytelling. But at the same time, a lot of people were really negative on, like, the script and the writing and the acting when it came out as well.
0: They have this hair and then they connect it with each other. And I guess that's them making love. But then they, like, connect it with the horses and that makes them one with the horses. (laughs) Really? And there's so many points in this, I'm going to hop on all day about this, but like, there's so many points in the movie that I was like watching and I was like, oh, thank God, it's ending. Oh, good, here comes the climax. And then it just keeps going and there's another climax. It's like, oh my God, there's here we go.
1: worse than when a movie overwears its welcome.
0: And when the hero dies, nearly dies so many times and he's like, you know, this brave, is he going to die moment? But no, he's okay. It's like, okay, we can wrap this up now. And then he does it again. And it's like,
1: oh Kill me. So you're not looking forward to the four sequels that Ab- James Cameron has planned? Absolutely not. Because we may end up talking about one of them on this show. I know. I'm thrilled. But given it's been like, how many years has it been? When did the movie come out? 2012? Yeah. Given it's been- 2019. Yeah, oh, given- sorry, not
0: 2019. T- 2009.
1: Well, okay. Given it's been more than 10 years, I'm always apprehensive that they're actually making a sequel. I've always been apprehensive. I I don't think they're ever going to do it. Hopefully not. All right. So, this is the only one. The The first movie that I have on my overrated list is the only one that I picked for my overrated movies that I think you may disagree with okay. me on. But for the most part, I, I picked ones that I thought that, Maddie D, you know, you would definitely agree with me because I, I, I didn't want to hurt anybody's feelings, yeah, right. specifically not people who are within arm's reach of me. <laughs> so, the first movie I picked, and I think this is going to upset a lot of people, is actually 2011's Drive.
0: Wow. I did not see that coming. I thought you liked that. Well... I know
1: how you feel. Anybody about that, you who actually? has listened to this show, I've already given away my yeah. my feelings on the movie Drive in the past. I can't remember what movie it was that we were discussing where I brought up Drive, but of course, Drive. If you're not familiar, it came out in 2011. As I've already mentioned, it's directed by. Nicholas Winding Refn
0: Now I agree with your opinion of this movie I think really? you're exactly right
1: Yeah I know you're going to say Half
0: of a good movie The other half kind of falls falls apart
1: Well let's get into it So it's based on the 2005 novel of the same name By James Salas If you're not familiar It's very faithful to the book As a lot of people have pointed out I've never read the book myself And it stars Ryan Gosling Carrie Mulligan and Oscar Isaac, I had no idea that the villain was Oscar Isaac, well he's not really the villain, the deadbeat ex con boyfriend was Oscar Isaac, Oh, I okay. had no idea until I did my go. notes for this show, and the, the plot of the movie itself, if I could go over it briefly, is there's a professional driver, he's very much detached, it's very similar to the Thief, so this is one of the reasons why it's very serendipitous, because it's, it's another sort of very stylish neo-noir movie it's about a professional thief who just wants to do one last job and get out of the the criminal life
0: and a good soundtrack and
1: a fantastic soundtrack as well so yeah they're very connected in that way but the thing with drive is yeah as i was going to explain before he's a professional getaway driver he's very detached from his work he's very methodical he doesn't accept any jobs unless he has like all the details he's like i need to be in complete control Your job's not going to be a success unless I can get a clean getaway. And in order for that to happen, I need to have all the details down pat. I need to do all my research and everything's going to go exactly to clockwork and we won't get caught.
0: And does he have a rule that he doesn't do work for the same person
1: twice? That's right. He never works for the same person twice. And then he falls in love with his neighbor. Of course. The neighbor's husband gets out of jail. He ends up roping in our driver into one last job, basically. The job goes wrong because they do almost no prep work for it, (laughs) like going against his rule. People get shot. The driver goes and exacts revenge on people. He breaks people's fingers. He hits them with hammers. It becomes like a complete gore fest in the second half. But my real issue with this movie is that people love this movie and people rave about this movie. But as you've already teased, as you've already said, I've always said that this is half of a good movie. But you sound like you don't agree, Matty D. But to me... You've got the opening scene, which is fantastic. Fantastic opening scene. You would say it sets the scene for the whole movie, but there's really no other scene in the rest of the movie like it at all. There's this amazing scene where they do a heist. You don't even see the heist, but there's a bunch of criminals rob some sort of facility... And then we see the getaway play out and some a couple of near misses with the cops. But it's very sort of thought out. It's very sort of methodical. And everything goes exactly to plan and everything is exactly like a, a well-made clock. It all just ticks together in place. Mm. And it's a fantastic, exhilarating scene. Scene of the movie. And you get hyped. You're like, oh, I want to see a full movie of this. I want to see where this escalates to. You've got your fantastic soundtrack. You've got like Kavinsky's Night Call over the opening credits. Great. You've got, uh, what was that, Real Human Being song? Yep. During the, the weird picnic scene where they go... Take but a great song. Great song. You know, absolutely great soundtrack. I mean, the second half of the movie doesn't have as good of a soundtrack, in my opinion. Basically, when it gets to the point when the heist takes place, Christina Hendricks is carried to get shot in the face with a shotgun. The movie just goes downhill from there. They murder Brian Cranston, which is always a negative in my <laughs> books. He gets murdered all the time in movies. And everything that they set up in the start of the movie that was cool about the character just completely goes out the window at the end and it just turns into like a big sort of almost Korean revenge drama. Yeah. And like, that's not the movie that I wanted. It's not the movie I was expecting. It's not the movie that they sold in the trailers. And I just felt like it was a huge disappointment. And then the fact that people still laud and applaud it, even though I don't think it's very good is the real reason why I'm saying it's super overrated. Sure, I can get Thoughts that. Thoughts, Matty
0: D? Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with your assessment 100%. Um, I think that the the second half of this movie, kind of out of nowhere, he becomes like this. He's always, He was always cold-blooded in a way. He's yeah. very methodical. He was always very detached. But he was never really like a cold-blooded, super strong, by the way. Yes, exactly. Super skilled fighter, super like like just assassin killer. And that's yeah. what he kind of became at the end of the movie. Having said that, I, I still think there are parts of the movie that are... His performance in it is yeah, he's he's great Yeah, and the soundtrack is good. So, there's enough like fun stuff to get you through it. But yeah, if you turn off the movie yes. before the second half, you're not missing out much.
1: Yeah, exactly. I've always said that. In fact, the last time I watched the movie, I just turned it off at the halfway point and I was content.
0: What you can do with this movie, watch the first half, turn it off and then watch the first opening scene again and then that's yes. it. That's a great movie.
1: Yeah. Or watch the first half twice <laughs> over two days.
0: <laughs> Do you talk to people and a people... Do people like the whole movie?
1: Yeah. yeah. Here's the thing. I, I think it sort of suffers from up syndrome. I've talked about how I feel about the movie Up in the past, yeah. where a great opening scene does not make a great movie. So, for me, a, a movie has to be great from start to finish, full of like great scenes, and I have to enjoy it, You know, be satisfied the whole way through for me to really say, this is a great movie. But the fact that you know it has a really strong opening, uh, has a really strong first half, It doesn't give me enough to forgive the second half being so, like, sloppy and weird and completely tonally all over the place. Yeah. And I think a lot of people agree with me when the movie came out. I think a lot of reviews said the same. But the excuse that a lot of people give me when I say that to them is they're like, oh, well, you know, you're a victim of the marketing. The marketing sold it completely wrong. What? I'm like, no, I'm a victim of not seeing a trailer for the movie and then expecting the whole movie to be, like, the first scene. Yeah, The whole point of a first scene in the movie is to establish the tone of the movie. And if you're going to throw it out the window...
0: Also, the first half is very much the same tone. It, def- yeah. it definitely does shift a gear weirdly out of nowhere. Yeah,
1: Appropriately enough, but oh. yes. Yeah, I-, I guess that's the reason I don't like it. And if you like the movie because of that reason, all power to you. But yeah, it's just I don't understand why it gets so much love when I think it could have been a much better movie, yeah. personally.
0: You, you don't hear people say like, yeah... I love Drive. I love that scene
1: where he shoots the shotgun and blows people's heads off. Yeah, exactly. I love it when he beats that guy to death with a hammer. (laughs) They never talk about that bit. They're always talking about the start. Always. If if you disagree with me, please write in and let me know. I
0: want to know if somebody enjoyed the second half as much as the first half. Yes. That'd be interesting to me.
1: What's your next movie, Matty D?
0: Number two on my list of overrated movies is... Okay, well, let me start by asking you this before I introduce the movie. How do okay. you make a good movie? Ah, uh, good cast. Nah. Well, no, well, you don't need a good cast. cast it's okay if you throw money on it, but what you need to do—good script—is make everyone talk really fast, ah. put a lot of pop songs in there, and yeah. make make the camera move so fast that no one can keep up with what's going on.
1: Sure, that and works in some circumstances. You've got a
0: great movie. You love Goodfellas. <laughs> yeah, well, Goodfellas is good. <laughs> Fair enough, but Goodfellas is not my number two movie of my overrated list. What is, is Moulin Rouge. Really? From 2001. Wow, that's a controversial That's opinion. right. That is a controversial and i tell you what,
1: Betty D, you- I agree with you. <laughs> it is a controversial I'm sorry, thing. everybody. I know people out there love that movie. People I love it. Lots of people who do love it, but I think I'm with you 100% on this one.
0: People love this movie. Um, Baz Loman, director and writer. Seems to be a theme in
1: my choices I here. Remember how I said... That, you know, with Martin, that the themes in the discussion were a little bit adult. And if you're sensitive, that skip ahead. If you love Moulin Rouge and you don't want to hear your baby slaughtered, maybe just skip ahead a few <laughs> minutes.
0: <laughs> also starring Nicole Kidman. I'm sure Manny D's going to be fair. Sorry. I'll be fair. Anyone who enjoys this movie, great. It's, it's a lot of fun. Almost everybody me. does. Yeah, apparently. Apparently. It's been the bane we're, of my we're life. We're just outliers. This movie came with a lot of hype to me. I, a lot of friends were saying to me, you know, you really, you'll, lo- you'll love yeah. this movie. And they even said, if you if you don't like musicals, and I don't mind musicals, by the way, but they, they said, we didn't like musicals before watching this movie. I and, like musicals. And completely, ch- it's the only musical worth watching, da-da-da-da-da. People had a lot of high praise. And I rented this movie out, and I watched it, and I, and I really wanted to like it. Yeah. It sort of had all the pieces in place for me to like it. Like, it's a cool setting. The characters seem interesting, albeit we meet them for, like, a second. <laughs> yeah. But this movie was in such a rush.
1: Yeah, that was the style of the movie, maybe. Uh, I guess so. I guess it just wasn't for me. It's supposed to be sort of like frantic, high energy, super sort of like sugary, I suppose. Yeah. It's but- supposed to be like drinking a... What's that drink called? Absinthe. It's like right. drinking a nice glass of absinthe. You've got the, like, the sugar hit melted into the, the drink. It hits you really hard and fast. It gets you drunk really quickly. Okay. Fair enough, but... You don't see me drinking absinthe no. every time I go out to a bar. But the fact, like- I'd say I almost never drink absinthe. <laughs> so- because last time I did, I went berserk and started kicking <laughs> lampposts. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what I did after watching Moulin Rouge. Oh, really? Um,
0: but, like, when... Oh, I won't spoil the movie for anyone who yeah, hasn't watched don't. it. But, you know, when a, when a significant character dies or we think they die, there's no real investment there. Because we haven't got... In my opinion, we haven't gotten to know the characters that well at all. And in the movie... The movie is about the this. <laughs> the movie is about, I should say what the movie is about, is about a, a young writer played by Yun McGregor. He mm-hmm. he comes to the Moulin Rouge. I guess he's trying to find his inspiration. He's trying to write Which a book. Which is a famous
1: sort of cabaret club mm. in Paris?
0: Yes. He falls in love with uh,
1: the, a beautiful singer there, Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman. Who is in BMX Bandits, directed by yep. Brian Trenchard Smith. There's a connection yeah, there. there.
0: There we go. And, uh, you know, he, he has a rival to her affections
1: who's this rich guy who's the Duke and he's. Mm. He's played by- Sleaziest guy in the world. Richard Roxburgh. Oh, okay. There you go. Okay. I love Richard Roxburgh, but yeah. not in this movie. <laughs> he was even better in Van Helsing where he played Dracula. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry, everybody.
0: Yeah. Well, and, um, and part of the appeal of this movie is it takes a lot of modern pop songs yeah. and adds them to the movie, and that's the movie's soundtrack. And that became yeah. something that a lot of movies after that- Yeah, really a
1: lot of sort of did. popcorn musicals yeah. do that a lot.
0: And I like Baz Luhrmann, I, I think Romeo and Juliet was good,
1: yeah. right? I am one of the few people that don't,
0: didn't mind Australia, apparently.
1: We have a friend who was in a Baz Luhrmann movie. Yeah. We won't say which one, but yeah, still.
0: that's true, that's true. But this movie, I, it had so much hype and I watched it and I was like... And then there, there are these characters that he's friends with. Yeah, that's right. Do you remember their names? It was I like don't.
1: Toulouse-Lautrec. Okay, and, you do. Um, he was... Um, oh, what's his name? Luigi from uh, the Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, Yes, him. Uh, That's John right. Leguizamo. That's yeah. it. Yeah. He was Toulouse-Lautrec. Yeah. I don't remember the other two characters, though, because Toulouse-Lautrec was based on a real person, an artist, if you didn't realize.
0: No, I didn't. If you wrote this movie on paper, mm-hmm. if I gave it to you as a book or as, like, an idea, it's like, this is a, a description of the movie, right? You'd be like, wow, this is interesting. These characters are really interesting. Like, it goes on this really good direction, but. You never get to know any of these characters. It just goes so fast that, you know. Yeah. And uh, and a little bit pretentious, I might say, as well. But that's my opinion. Well, I think it was better
1: than The Great Gatsby. If you See, ever... I didn't mind The Great Gatsby Oh, either. my God. Like, All right. I'm not with you on that one. It wasn't
0: maybe. good, but, like, at least that had pace.
1: I called it the mediocre Gatsby. <laughs> that movie was a train.
0: <laughs> but, yes, Moulin Rouge. I know I've lost some fans. Mm. The podcast for me, but it belongs on my
1: overrated list. There we go. All right. The next movie on my overrated list is 1980's Friday the 13th, directed by Sean S. Cunningham is this also the directed f- House, as in the original OG first Friday the 13th movie.
0: With Jason's mother, not Jason. With
1: Jason's mummy. So I'm with you on that already. One, that's one of the things that I don't like about the movie. By the way, it stars a whole bunch of nobodies and Kevin Bacon. Yep. When you think Friday the 13th, automatically, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Jason's old mother. <laughs> right? Okay. All right. <laughs> no, be, Jason- Be realistic.
0: Jason with the hockey
1: mask. Yes. Slicing people up. Absolutely. Walking around in Camp Crystal Lake, slicing people up. Giving people, like, fornicating teenagers what they're due. Death, apparently. I guess the whole horror aspect of those kind of movies is, like, life cut short just as you're beginning to become, like, as you're beginning to blossom. Your life is cut short. And I guess that's really horrific in a lot of people's mind. I mean, it's it's always a tragedy when that happens, but Mm. still. The series, the whole franchise of Friday the 13th has grown into being very Jason-centric to the point of when they remade, when Michael Bay's Platinum Dunes remade Friday the 13th back in, what was it, 2009, 2008? I can't remember the exact year that it came out. Right about then. They completely excised, well, it was mentioned, but they completely excised the whole plot twist, which I am going to spoil because it's important to my conversation. They completely excised the fact that the first movie had Jason's mother going around killing campers, and it's suggested... Well, you don't know who's doing the killing, but anyone who's watching it for the first time, knowing the franchise, is probably expecting Jason himself to be and, killing people. And
0: they insinuate that as well because they, they talk- don't.
1: They don't insinuate it. I thought it's they just did. you just think that if you know the franchise, but, but they talk about they a boy never, that died. And- yeah, exactly. They talk about a boy that died, but you never you're never supposed to think that it is the boy who was killed, who's going around killing people for revenge. You're never supposed to think that. You just hear about this creepy story and then suddenly people start getting killed. But you, having meta-knowledge of the other movies, you think that they're implying that Jason's doing it, but they never actually imply that. The fact that Jason is not in the movie is a big thing. And at the end of the day, if it's a good movie, who really cares if Jason's in it or not killing people? Mm. But as far as like slasher movies are concerned, I would say movies like Black Christmas or Halloween are a lot more exciting... They have characters that you're invested in, where Friday the 13th, aside from, like, one recognizable face in Kevin Bacon, it's very much what you would call these days a standard slasher movie. And then while people praise it as, like, an OG slasher movie, it's I, not really. I never thought it was really that good. Like, Halloween already did it better beforehand, two years beforehand. It's just an basically an hour and a half of people wandering around in the dark looking for each other, only to be stabbed by a mysterious person. And the reveal that it's Jason's mum is almost so disappointing if you go in with the meta knowledge of, like, Jason being the killer in the movies that, I don't know, you might find it exciting that that's a twist to you. But the fact that the whole franchise started on this note just, to me, doesn't make a great movie it sounds like you're in agreement with me.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you for the most part. I think that that movie wasn't really a slasher movie. I agree with you. It kind of was trying to be more of a horror movie
1: Yeah. at the time. Well, it is a slasher. It's almost the definition of yeah. a, a slasher movie.
0: I definitely agree with you. But can can we have a conversation? Because I agree with you for the most part, but the ending
1: scene is pretty what, amazing. When the zombie Jason pops out of the water and strangles the girl in the boat, giving yeah. everyone a jump scare. I think that's the best ending to a horror movie it's, it's a jump scare, so I wouldn't say it's clever, but it did scare the shit out of me the first time I watched the movie. But it never had been done like that before, right? No, not really. So
0: you had the scene where she's on, she's home free. She's like on the boat. Yeah. Er, the, the mother is dead. I'm sorry, I'm spoiling it for everybody. But no,
1: like, I think spoiling it is part of the conversation. This 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 is a well known
0: twist, and everything's and they're playing the beautiful music. And yeah. originally, every horror movie ended like this, right? Yeah, like that's the, right. The sun would rise. The last survivor was all bloodied, and you hear the ambulances in the background and they're home safe and then all of a sudden a zombie child who we never saw in the movie beforehand no. pops out grabs her takes her down yeah that's right music iconic music plays us out
1: and i think that's that's pretty cool. sure that's a great ending doesn't mean the whole rest of the hour <laughs> and 25 minutes that precede it are brilliant though yes so that's the whole reason i'm saying it's overrated because if you just look at it on its own it's not that great of a movie there have been movies before it and after it that did the same thing so much better I wouldn't say that I'm a huge fan of the slashes genre because it's basically the same thing in every single movie. But for a movie that people hold in such high regard, it's you know it's probably one of the worst Friday the Thirteenth movies. No, no, I'm biting my tongue. There are some fucking awful. Friday <laughs> there the 13th are some bad movies. ones. He goes to space. That's right. But it's kind of one of the dullest, overrated Friday the Thirteenth movies, in and, my opinion, because th- there's not even the fun of him being in space. No.
0: And, and I think that really when. Friday the 13th really picked up to be what it is known today. is probably the third one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's the most probably iconic. It's like the gold finger of the Friday mm-hmm. the 13th where it franchise. Gets, it's where he it gets the it hockey sets mask. sets the formula. It gets the hockey mask. So, we have the iconography. We have the, you know, the formula of inventive kills by Jason. We see Jason doing the kills. It's not a mystery person.
0: A lot of people smoking dope. Yeah.
1: Exactly, fornicating, over-the-top acting, over-the-top sex scenes. Yeah, where can you go wrong? In the second one, he's just wearing a sack on his head. That's right, right. he just (laughs) has a sack on his head, and he gets killed in almost all of the movies, which you know confuses me. But by the end of the series, they just established that he's immortal. So yeah, now you're probably thinking, how does this tie to Martin? Yeah. So for me, Martin was very much an underrated horror movie. Gory, maybe. Yep. Who did the special effects for Friday the 13th? Oh, same guy. Tom Savini. Ah. Tom Savini. This was like his, I think this was the first big budget Hollywood horror movie that he did the special. Oh, sorry. No, he did uh, Dawn of the Dead beforehand. But, you know, more people know Friday the 13th for its gore than you probably would say something like Dawn of the Dead. Mm. That sounds like a stupid statement, but even (laughs) so, I think Friday the 13th is a more successful movie than Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Again, that sounds like a stupid statement.
0: I don't know. Whatever. It's well known for its gore. right? Friday the 13th is is famous for its gore. I'm
1: always thinking about the scene where the girl's like eating a banana, and then she gets stabbed through the neck from behind. So, she's eating a banana, and then a knife comes through her neck through the banana. I'm like, how the hell did they do that special (laughs) effect? And to this day, I'm still baffled as to how they did that effect, because it looks so good. But that is the standard of Tom Savini's special effects. It's actually a snuff movie. Yeah, might as well be. <laughs> so, yeah, what's the next movie on your list, Matty D? Oh,
0: I feel bad about this one. I okay. almost don't want to say it because if you enjoy this movie, more power to you. It
1: feels like you're about to, you're winding up to insult me directly.
0: No, I think you'll agree with me. Here, okay. But. I don't want to hurt any children, right? I don't. you already you already stepped on wool on rouge. I don't want to make people cry because if you like it, if your kids want to go trick or treating as this character or dress up as this character, then that's that's great. But I never ever understood what the hype of Frozen
1: was. Oh, there we go. <laughs> All right. You,
0: yeah, I, I, you know, but you're
1: not a little girl, Maddie. Maybe that's you're it, never going to understand. Maybe that's it. We've it. done a full episode. Maybe on this. that's it. I don't. I don't
0: know. I but like this movie is heralded as such a huge, high achieving movie. The The success of w- which we're still seeing. Yeah. Um, done in 2000
1: and... We've done a full episode 19, on it. Yeah, but we've, sp- we've spoken I about I refer anybody already. who hasn't heard our previous conversation to go back to our Frozen 2 original episode or our actual spoilers episode of Frozen 2 where we talk all about our thoughts on mm-hmm. those two movies. But yes, I definitely agree with you. Anyone who's listened to those episodes already we'll, knows. We'll know where we're going I don't. I think we were nice. We were being kind in those episodes. Yeah.
0: And I, you know, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I think it's a good movie, but at the time, as we said, even, I wouldn't
1: even say in, that. In
0: the, well, I'm saying it's a good movie, but at the time, I remember this movie was introduced as the non-Disney Disney movie. Like it broke all the rules, right? Sure. it, it, it no love at first sight, independent, you know, female-led characters that were breaking sure. breaking the boundaries and all this sort of stuff, but. Kind of, they were going into the unknown, it kind of felt like more of the same old. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And again, Tangled is a very similar movie that I think mm-hmm. is sort of better. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you 100. percent Pocahontas, mm-hmm. Sleeping Beauty. Well, I don't love Sleeping Beauty, but still, I think Pocahontas, Little Mermaid. Those are like from our childhood. From our mean? childhood. <laughs> Those I, even to this day I, I still really enjoy Pocahontas. I think it has a fantastic soundtrack. Yeah. Has a fantastic cast. Christian Bale appears in the movie. I wouldn't say he's great in it, but still I really like Pocahontas. But I went in expecting so much from Frozen, hearing all the hype. And I, I you know, I'd be lying if I didn't say I was very disappointed. That's
0: the thing as well. It was people our age were saying how yeah, great absolutely, it was. absolutely. So it wasn't like we sat down and watched a kids' movie and were just like, "This sucks. This is for children. This is for little girls. I don't
1: get it." And it's again, it's not a bad movie, but if it was as good as people said it was, then surely everyone would love it. But oh
0: well, everyone will hate
1: something. Yeah, true, true. And
0: apparently, I'm that guy. Number yeah. three on my overrated list is Frozen.
1: There you go. I'm sorry, and that's all you want to say about it. I think that's all there is to say about it.
0: We've talked at
1: length. We've we've done two hours talking about the Frozen franchise. You know what
0: I think it is? I think I'm just burnt from that second movie. Fair
1: enough. (laughs) Maybe that's it. Because that second movie was worse. Absolutely. I think we can both agree that that second Frozen movie was god-awful. Yeah. And I think the last movie that we're going to talk about, the last movie on my list, this is something that we've mentioned in the past but we've never really explored. And you're probably going to wonder how I'm going to connect it to Brian Trenchard-Smith's The Man from Hong Kong But it's very similar in a lot of ways. In fact, you could almost say the man from Hong Kong inspired this movie in a loose way. And at least the directing did. Because I'm talking about Quentin Tarantino's Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2.
0: I am so with you. I am so with you. Absolutely overrated.
1: Anybody who's listened to this show in the past, we've done two episodes on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We've talked at length about how much we love Tarantino. He directs a lot of our special episodes. But... 2003 and 2004's Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2 are just two movies that I've never, ever really liked of Tarantino's. Yes. And You could say that Tarantino's movies are hit and miss. They are hit for the most part. I know you weren't a huge fan of Jackie Brown, which I'm a fan of.
0: Oh, it's warming to me. It's Jackie warming is, to you. Yeah.
1: There you go. I it's... think I
0: was a little too hard on it, to be honest.
1: There we go. Look, Would look, you say the same about Porco Rosso? I, I didn't mind what okay, Porco Rosso. I didn't say that I hated Porco Rosso. I didn't say I, I
0: hated Jackie Brown.
1: Well... It, it, there was a lot more venom in your conversation about Jackie Brown than there was in my Porco uh, Rosso. But still, even Death Proof, I think, in, has like more merit than Kill Bill 1. Wow. Oh Actually, no, I can't say Death that. Proof? No, Death Proof is worse than Volume 1 and 2. But Death Proof does not get the same hype that Kill Bill 1 and 2 get. So, to a lot of people, to a lot of, I suppose, the uninitiated, but whatever. To a lot of people, when you say Tarantino, the first thing that comes to your mind is Kill Bill. Mm-hmm. Tarantino couldn't shake Kill Bill for years. Everyone was just like, "Oh, his next movie better live up to Kill Bill." Yeah, it was like Oh, I don't like Inglorious Basterds. It's oh, not wow. as good as Kill Bill. It was like a renaissance period for him because
0: yeah, that's know, right. he, he was like he had that pulp fiction high yeah. where everyone loved him and then everyone kind of went sour on him, you know, Jackie Brown, <laughs> Death Proof. And then
1: Kill Bill kind of No, no, no. Death Proof was after Kill Bill. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh. So Death Proof came out 2006. Damn. So But yeah, but Jackie Brown, people liked, but they didn't love it. Mm. Like, there was no Pulp Fiction. Mm. Even even I'll say that Jackie Brown is no Pulp Fiction, but, you know, he had his Renaissance period where Kill Bill came out and he said, everyone was like, he's back, he's back, he's got some hits again. But, yeah, so I don't know anybody out there who hasn't seen or heard of Kill Bill, but for the sake of those people... Just so you know, it stars Uma Thurman, Lucy Liu, Michael Madsen, David Carradine, just to name a few. Everyone in the movie is basically a star. They've got so many references to like 70s samurai movies, spaghetti westerns and Korean revenge movies. It's like a big love letter to all of those genres. Yeah. Fantastic soundtrack. Has one of the greatest soundtracks of a Tarantino movie. But does this all gel together in a, into like a good, satisfying movie? In my opinion, no, it does not. So one of the reasons that I think it's overrated is that it just feels kind of sloppy to me. Like it just the the sum of the parts doesn't equal the sum of the whole. It, it, am I completely butchering that phrase? No, I know what you're saying. So, there's some good action scenes in it, there's some stylish moments in it. There's good
0: parts to it, but overall There's a lot it of nonsense.
1: Like there's a lot of stuff that doesn't like work. Yeah. I think my favorite part in the whole movie is like the animated sequence like halfway through the first volume. Yeah. Like that for me is, like the bit that got me so excited and I felt like nothing else lived up And the fact, again, spoilers, I'm going to spoil part two for everybody, the fact that it's all leading to basically a non-confrontation at the end. I know. So all this hype, all this excitement, you've got basically two movies leading to this point and then it ends with like the bride breaking into Bill's house ready to kill him. And having a conversation. And having a chat and then she kills him in the most (laughs) anticlimactic way possible and then walks away happy.
0: You could tell Tarantino loved that though
1: yes absolutely he was all he's always been about like we need more feet in this scene he's all he's always been about reversing people's expectations mm-hmm. right at the end of the movie but it wasn't done in a way that i thought was satisfying i wasn't happy at all with that ending in fact that whole second volume that whole second movie was so slow yeah so boring compared to the first one that it, i think it just like it soured the first like any joy that i had in the first movie even though i didn't love the first movie any joy that i had taken away from it was soured by that second half which was just god awful
0: you know what kieran i am t- so on board with you that i'm gonna take frozen off my shelf of overrated and put kill bill on there because really I Both think parts? It- yes both okay parts, there you go if i'm allowed to do that because yeah, you're allowed to do i that. agree i think that's w- i think that's way more overrated than anything else i came up with except Mulan. well Ruf do you have any and- thoughts on it that i haven't mentioned no you've echoed pretty much a lot of my sentiments i think it was a really boring movie
1: um, I would even say that the first volume is boring, the one that people yes. hold in such high esteem. I would even say that was pretty boring. Yeah, it's slow. Yeah. The dialogue is not up to Tarantino's standard, if you ask me. It was pretty forgettable. But people love this movie. People rave about this movie, and they hold a lot of Tarantino's other movies up in comparison. I don't think it's a fair assessment, because I think Tarantino has like a much better high watermark with Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, and then his his platinum period with like inglorious bastards onwards yeah definitely so yeah I, I just it has always annoyed me that, that like I remember I was there when these movies came out. I was hyped. I went and saw them in cinemas and people raved about them. But I always kind of felt embarrassed to be like, I didn't didn't really love these yeah. movies, guys. I mean, I love Tarantino movies, but I didn't love these ones. Well, that's
0: funny. As, as I've said on the show, I stopped. I didn't watch any Tarantino movies because I didn't like Kill Bill that much. And I was just yeah. like, well, maybe this director's not for me. Maybe it's a style thing. And then I watched Pulp Fiction yeah. by you suggesting it. Yes, yeah, of course. Pretty much pushing it on me. And I was like, wow, he's actually good. Yes. <laughs> it's yeah, just exactly. this movie. But
1: yeah, it's a movie I've never actually really been able to rewatch since. I've always tried rewatching it as an adult because it was a movie I saw a lot as a teenager. But as an adult, I think I watched the first part again recently once and then just couldn't do it with the second part. I'm yeah, like, I'm with, I'm with you. By the end of the first part, I'm like, yeah, I'm done with yeah, this. Yeah, I clock out.
0: Man, I wish I said that now. Man, you, you are totally right. This movie sucked.
1: And as you know, we both love Tarantino. Yeah. But I guess we're not such, like, dogmatic hyper fans that we just will accept everything that he puts out yeah. there. Because even though a lot of people love this movie, I've always thought it was super, super, super overrated. Was it critically well-received? Yeah, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. People loved it. Well, there you go. Guessing the minority there. Yeah, I love that we came together on the end. Oh, and- <laughs> You actually, you, before we started this episode, you basically said, oh, I think you're going to disagree with a lot of my picks, but I don't think I ever really did. No, not really. And it looks like you are the same on, in my boat as well. Yeah. Like, I don't think you disagreed with any of my well, picks.
0: Well, I'm surprised. I'm surprised in your overrated picks I didn't hear Dark Knight get pulled up. I didn't no. hear any of the Marvel I movies. I was like, Kieran's, Kieran's going to just say all the Marvel movies well, like are said, my overrated did, list. Like I said, didn't
1: <laughs> want to hurt anybody's feelings too much. Because
0: so. as we know, Kieran does not like superhero movies and no superhero movie in your overrated no. picks there.
1: No, because I can get why people like them and I can get why people think they're good movies, but I'm not going to say just because I don't like the genre. All three movies that I talked about, I absolutely love the genres that they're a part of. It's just examples from that genre that I don't like or in my overrated. Because if you look at them, all three of my underrated picks are from the same genre as the three. Yeah. Genres that I picked from my overrated. True, true.
0: Um, how does Kill Bill link with your underrated movie?
1: So I talked about Brian Trenchard-Smith's The Man from Hong Kong, which uh-huh. was a, a sort of like a satire of
0: oh yeah kung
1: fu movies right. in the same way that Kill Bill is, and it was directed by Brian Trenchard-Smith, who is one of Tarantino's biggest influences and favorite directors. There you go. So that how it, and so that's how it connects there.
0: All. Connects. I'm glad we can come together in our hatred to yeah. kill, Bill. And obviously, I can hear people are because, screaming at us right now yes. because that's so
1: beloved, but it's just our opinion. Because if I just went in and said, oh, I hate Avengers Infinity War, I think that movie's super overrated. I mean, I would have to come in and, and talk about, like, a Marvel movie that I really like and compare it to that, right? Oh, it's, not necessarily. And it's kind of tricky. I mean, there are ones out there, but, you know, we'd be, we'd be here all day <laughs> if I had to do something like that, but... I didn't want to just bash one genre and then have people come back to me and like, well, it's just that genre you don't like. Yeah. You know, I didn't want that thing. So, I wanted to keep it very balanced. So, I sort of had both sides of the coin. I like how I'm justifying. it. <laughs> like, people are going to get mad. But I want to know what other people think. I want to know what other people think are underrated and overrated movies.
0: Yeah, tell us if anything from our lists, either our underrated list or our overrated list that you agree with or disagree with. If there's a movie you haven't seen and you want to watch it, tell us your thoughts. That'd be fun.
1: Yeah, or just let us know ones from your life that you think, movies from your life that you think are super underrated or super Mm -hmm. overrated. In fact, I want to hear more underrated picks. I don't want to start fights with people. I just want to hear what people think are really underrated movies and why people should watch them. What makes them, you know, what makes them underrated? What makes them good? Why should people watch them? You can let us know in several different places. You can find us on our social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can leave us a comment on this episode's page on our Podbean site. Or you can simply send us an email at potentialspoilerspodcast at gmail.com. That's right. Let us know your thoughts. Yeah. One more thing I wanted to quickly say before we wrap it up for another episode. In our last Movie Talk episode, we talked about a TV show that Maddie D appeared in. Oh, yeah? Nine Perfect Strangers. Do you remember that, Maddie D? It was with Melissa McCarthy, who we talked about this episode. It was with Nicole Kidman, who we talked about this episode. Are
0: we saying the title of it on air? Okay.
1: Yeah, we already did it last. Oh, did we? We did it last Movie Talk episode, I'm pretty sure. So, yeah, you you said what the title was, but yeah. yeah. If anyone is going in there watching that show, if you're going into that series expecting to see Matty D, you're going to be gravely disappointed. I'm not in it. Because Matty D's scenes have been cut. I am on the cutting room floor. So we talked all about the scene that you filmed where it's supposed to be in New York. Nicole Kidman's trying to catch a taxi. I've watched every episode of the show. That scene (laughs) is not in it.
0: I love that you watched the whole, did you like it?
1: No, I did not. (laughs) That was a fucking awful show. And I thought it was one of the worst things I've ever seen. And yeah. I only watched it to see you, Matty D. And you were on the cutting room I'm floor. I'm on the
0: cut. There's going to be a deleted scene out there with me running around. I hope so.
1: Doing all sorts of hijinks.
0: I'm in a Sigourney Weaver TV show that's oh, yeah? coming out. But maybe that'll Are be the cutting
1: room floor. Who knows?
0: So, yeah, I, no, I just seemed.
1: want to make like a quick PSA and say, do not watch Nine Perfect Strangers. Unless you want to. Unless you really want to. Don't watch it for Matty D. You know my agent's going to hear about this. And sorry. Like, Fuck
0: this guy. Sorry, We're sorry. not going to put him in anything. Matty A-D.
1: D's not saying this. <laughs> I'm saying this. It's not Matty D's opinion. It's like,
0: Matty D... <laughs> you all know Nicole Kidman's going to be angry at me. Yeah. And I'm not going to be in any of it. Well, movies. nobody
1: liked that show. The critics pan that show, so I'm not alone here.
0: This could be part of somebody's underrated list. It could be.
1: Let Maybe. us know if you thought that Nine Perfect Strangers was completely underrated. Maybe. Or if you have seen it, please let me know your thoughts, because I know you <laughs> hated it. I know you <laughs> thought it was terrible.
0: Well, it's because there was a pivotal scene that was cut with an amazing actor. Yes. Who would have turned that whole franchise around. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Because I really Franchise, series. Series. Well, it was
0: going to be a franchise when I make my spin-off. Now they're not making
1: a season two. Yeah. (laughs) Even though it was based on a book. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, let's wrap it up for another week. But before we do, let's talk about what we're going to be discussing next week. Of course, we're doing another installment of actual spoilers where we go back and look at movies that we predicted in the past and see how close we got to predicting the plot. And it's time, Matty D. We sort of left our Halloween season behind us, but that doesn't mean we can't go back and explore horror movies that we've covered in the past- and I think next week is going to be an interesting conversation because I believe it may be a movie that you didn't like that I didn't think was that bad. Oh, okay. Because we're going back and seeing how well we did with The Invisible Man starring Elizabeth ah, Moss. right, right, right. Yay. We've both <laughs> seen that movie now. We've both seen it. I'm going to be seeing it for the third time Yeah. for this episode. Second
0: time for me, but uh, yeah, we'll have to revisit our predictions. I how
1: close. have no memory of what I said for that prediction. Oh, I believe my prediction was crazy. Yeah we
0: Oh no, to- did we team up? We may have teamed up We might up. have teamed up I always forget when we team up or not We're
1: going to have to find out We'll we'll find out by next week But, but go yeah.
0: back into archives Listen to our episode on The Invisible Man
1: Yeah, we did team up We did team up for that one that's I remember right. it now Because we, we had a
0: debate over the twist
1: Yeah, that's right Yes, we did Go back and listen to that episode before next week Yeah, yep. And yep. watch the movie You can see how close we got Or how far away we were
0: That's right, that's right Not taking our Halloween
1: decorations too soon No they're going to be up for a while, let me tell you that They're going to be up until Christmas <laughs> So many
0: horror movies coming up Yeah,
1: I guess they're popular at the moment They still make money But yeah Alright, until
0: then Until then I'm going to show Kieran some of the movies That were on my overrated list And get his reaction
1: Especially this one And Oh really? This oh. one <laughs> He's just being a jerk now I'm not even going to tell people what I'm on Alright, goodbye Have a good day
2: You say black, I say white, white. you say bark, I say, I say bite, white. you say shark, I say <laughs> him and George was never my scene and I don't like Star Wars.